Go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. What I want to do today, I want to try to answer some questions that come up many times on the subject of hell. You know, people used to preach on hell quite a bit. Now it's not a very popular subject. Uh, in fact, I was at a Christian bookstore the other day and they had a preview playing for a Christian movie that you can get. And I'm watching the preview for this movie and they're selling this at a Christian bookstore and it was about a guy who kind of took on the religious establishment basically proving from the Scriptures that there is no hell in the way that we teach it. And I thought, what in the world? And they sell this movie at a Christian bookstore. And I, and I thought, you know, and it wasn't real clear what they taught on the preview. And I, I looked this up uh, to find out if it was implying what I thought it was applying. And sure enough, it is. There's a guy, his last name is Fudge. The movie's called Hell and Mr. Fudge, I guess. And uh, yeah, he figured out that, you know, hell, it's all figurative. There is no eternal torment, eternal punishment. And they're selling this movie at a Christian bookstore. So I don't know. You know, I have a tough time keeping up with all the trends and everything. So is it now, you know, I mean, is it just accepted amongst Christianity today that there is no hell? I don't know. You know, I, I try to stay in the book, and, uh, but it's, it's really sad. But I'm gonna, I want to try to answer some questions because there are some questions that come up when you start talking about hell. And these questions, all of them, I'm just going to admit it to you right now, I've asked myself these questions. And I'm going to guess that probably some of you have asked these same questions to yourself before. And I want to answer them from the Scriptures to you. And I'm going to show you also one of the reasons that we ask these questions and one of the reasons, too, I believe somebody could actually get a movie made about him when he comes up with the idea that there is no such thing as hell is we, whether we want to admit it or not, in many areas we have been brainwashed, folks. We are brainwashed and nobody wants to admit we're brainwashed in anything. But I want to show you, I do. I believe that even right now, I am brainwashed, I guess you could say, in some ways. But, in a, but at the same time, the reason I believe what I do about hell, it has nothing to do with my intellect, what I think, what I figured out. It's just my faith in the Scriptures. And because the Bible says so, I believe it. And even though there are things that maybe don't necessarily set well with me and maybe I don't even like, I will admit it's because I've been brainwashed. I live in the same country you all do. I'm part part of the same culture and everything. But let's look at some things about the Scriptures, uh, what the Scripture says about hell. What we're going to look at right now is the very first time hell is ever mentioned in the Bible. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15, it says, But Jeshurun waxed fat. And this is talking about, this is an affectionate term, for Israel, they've waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxing fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee. Thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, He abhorred them because of the provoking of His sons and of His daughters. And He said, I will hide My face from them and I will see what their end shall be for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. 
They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. Then I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. And I don't know if you all realize that this right here is a prophecy about us. Okay, This is a prophecy about us as Gentiles. We are the ones who are not a people. We were the ones, our ancestors, they weren't seeking after God. They weren't seeking after righteousness. We learned that in Romans. And in fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 19, quotes this very passage that we're reading. And he says, but I, but I say, did not Israel... No, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation I will anger you. That was a prophecy right here about one of these days God turning to the Gentiles because the Jews, they did not accept the Messiah. Not just, they did not... Not only did they not accept the Messiah, they didn't accept the very law of God that He gave them. Throughout the Old Testament, we see them rejecting God, turning from God, not obeying His commandments. And then they would have a temporary revival. God would be merciful to them and they would reject again and again and again. And let me tell you something, there's consequences for that. There are consequences for disobedience. And God said, the day's coming. I'm going to provoke you to jealousy with another nation. And we see how that God now has He moved amongst the Gentiles, and it's very rare to see a Jewish person get saved. It is a very rare thing why they've rejected their Messiah. If they would turn to Christ, He'll save them in a heartbeat. But it's a pretty rare thing to see. But verse twenty two it says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. And you know, we're not going to talk a whole lot this morning about, you know, like the location of hell, but I do, I believe it's in the heart of the earth. We see, I believe a lot of the volcanic activity and things that we see, I think it's part of what's going on in hell. The Bible talks about hell hath enlarged herself. And we know that every day more and more people are going there. It is a real place. And then verse 23, I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devouring with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust, the sword without and tear within and shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. Now this here is not a very pleasant passage of Scripture, is it? We see here and we see throughout the Bible that God gets very angry with sin. That there are consequences for sin. We see that there is a place called hell. There is a place where those who reject Christ are going to spend eternity. And it's not a pleasant thing. And we're, I'm not going to talk a whole lot today about you know the fires of hell. You've heard the stories. We know about the flames of hell and the torments of hell. We know the story of the rich man who lit, who died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. We know all those stories, but questions come to mind when we start talking about hell because it is an unpleasant thing. You know, something it's something a lot of people don't even like to think about. But I think we need to remind ourselves of this. I think it's something that needs to be preached on more and more. And the question that comes many times, and the question I've asked myself is. Is it really eternal? Does it really go on forever? Is it really a never-ending torment? A never-ending destruction? Mr. Fudge says, 
you know, you know, the fire that can't be quenched and all that. He says that it's just a fire that you can't put out. But it basically just burns up the soul and poof, they're gone. And we're going to see that doesn't line up with Scripture one bit. We see it's an eternal, we see it's an eternal thing. Mark chapter 9, verse 43 says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. And where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life halt than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Why does it keep saying that over and over again where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? It just keeps saying that over and over again. Wasn't one time enough? I think part of it, it's a reminder that this is an eternal torment. It's one that doesn't go away. The people who don't believe there there's an eternal hell, they say the fire that can't be quenched it just means you can't put it out. But it, but it just it burns up everything and boom, it's gone. Well, then why does it mention where the worm dieth not? You know, why doesn't it go away? And I believe there's another reason that Jesus keeps mentioning where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Look at Isaiah chapter 66. I believe he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 66. If you read this, this is clearly a future event that takes place in the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, after the Jesus Christ returns, after the millennial thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, we see it says, "For as the new heavens and new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain." And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before Me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against Me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring to all flesh. Right there we see, once again, that eternal flame, that eternal fire, one that does not go away. And many of the modern translations of the Bible today, they have completely removed all those verses where it says, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. They've just taken it out. And just gone. And I could see why, you know, with what they're trying to get across, with what these people are promoting. But I mean, they have, they've taken that out. Just taken it completely out of the scriptures. But you know what, what many, and then many other Bibles, they've changed it, the word to hell, to Gehenna, which is a Greek term referring to a place outside Jerusalem that was their garbage dump where they burnt their trash all the time and there was just a fire that burnt there all the time. Okay, But here's the problem with that. I've actually been there before. I have seen Gehenna. I've taken a picture of the place and you know what? There was no fire there. That fire's gone. It's been put out. The Bible, when it talks about hell, it's a fire that will never be quenched. One that's never going to go out. One that is forever and ever. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay? This is, and this here is a passage just reminding us that God punishes sin. God is always going to deal with sin. And we see here 
that there, these angels that sin, God, even the angels God cast to hell. And they are there. They are reserved unto the day of judgment. What's that? What's that all about? Well, we know one of these days there's going to be a great white throne of judgment and death and hell are going to deliver up all the dead that are in it and all those who are in hell are going to stand before God. Why? Because their souls have not been burned up. They are still there and they are going to stand before God at a great white throne of judgment. And then death and hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And we'll look at some of those Scriptures here in a little bit. But we see that there's a purpose for hell. Hell is temporary. Okay? Hell is temporary. It's until the lake, temporary until the lake of fire. Okay? They go from hell to the lake of fire, which I think we can only assume is probably worse. So, you know, I don't know where these people are getting it. I know why they, I can understand why people don't like hell. I can understand why they don't like talking about it. I can understand why they don't like thinking about it. You know, Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 is where they, uh, where it mentions that great white throne. And it mentions how the dead were judged according to their works. And they were, and verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And then in Revelation chapter 14, verse 9, it says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. I don't know how you take that verse and act like it's a temporary thing. Not when it says forever and ever. They have no rest day or night. We see very clearly that hell is an eternal punishment. Some they're trying to teach that the soul is not immortal, but that God gives those who are saved immortality in their soul. But the truth is, all souls are immortal, and the immortality that comes with salvation, that's referring to a physical immortality. And that comes at the rapture. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. People, that's what they'll try to tell you. No, the souls of the lost, they're burned up, they're gone forever. No, all souls are eternal. They go on forever. The immortality that the Bible talks about, that is a physical immortality. Verse uh, Chapter 15, verse 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. You and I can't go into heaven in this state that we're in right now. We still, even if you're saved, you have a sinful body. You have a body that's prone to sin and your vile body cannot enter into a holy place. But at the same time, we see something about something's going to change one of these days. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die physically, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible 
shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So we see there that God is going to change us one of these days. He's going to transform our body into a body like His glorious body. One that is without sin. And we will physically be immortal. But your soul is already immortal. Your soul is already something that is eternal, that's going to go on forever. None of our bodies that we have today are forever. Unless we're one of those that Paul said that we're not all going to sleep. Some of us are going to be alive when Jesus Christ returns. And we're going to be changed just like that. But you know what? If the Lord tarries is coming for a while, eventually we're going to die. Our bodies are going to be put in the ground and they're going to rot away to nothing. But then they're going to be raised one of these days when Jesus Christ returns. But it's going to be different. It's going to be a body without sin. And that's the immortality that comes with salvation. It's a physical immortality. A body that is without sin, without corruption. But your soul right now, saved or lost, it is eternal. When God made man, God formed him from the dust of the ground. But you know what? He did something that He didn't do with the animals. He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And all men, saved or lost, they have a soul. That is one of the things that separates us from animals. And you know, you see people acting like animals today, killing each other and you know, all the horrible things that they do. Maybe it has something to do with people being taught that they're animals. That you just evolved. From, you know, we used to be monkeys and all of that foolishness that's being taught today. Just absolute foolishness, but that is not the case. Man has a soul and it is eternal. So, yeah, hell is, it's an eternal place. It doesn't end, it, it doesn't stop, it just keeps on going. And so, the question then that comes to mind, and this is a question that comes, that's come to my mind many times, and I'm just going to admit that I'm brainwashed. Okay? And this is the question. Doesn't eternal torment in hell seem kind of extreme? Alright, let's say you live to be a hundred. You live to be a hundred and you live wicked for the whole hundred years. Can't you just go to hell for a hundred years? Why eternity? Isn't that a little extreme? I mean, come on. You know, just give them a break. You know, let some people go to hell a little longer than others, depending on how bad they were. Listen, God, He's always just in what He does. Okay? And we accept that by faith, even if we don't understand everything. But I'm going to tell you, this attitude, that hell seems kind of extreme. And that's why people don't like it. Oh, no, that's too much. No, no, none of you all deserve to go to hell. No, I, I, I wouldn't send any of you to hell. Okay? But yeah, God would. And we have this attitude because of brainwashing. You see, we have become completely squeamish as a people when it comes to punishment for sin. We are, we are completely squeamish when it comes to punishment for sin. Fear of punishment has always been a huge deterrent from sin. That is how people and societies have existed as long as they have. They have had consequences for sin. We were just reading on Wednesday, you know, that code of Hammurabi that they had thousands of years ago. Man, they killed people for everything. Stealing. They killed people for it. That would help. There would be less stealing if you put people to death for it. We don't, you know, we, the death penalty is illegal. 
in many states today. And we wonder why we're seeing all the murder and rape and things that go on in our country. There is no deterrent. I just read a story. After I finished this message, I saw a news article about a lady who went and she robbed a bank so she could go back to prison. Because life in prison was better than her life that she had outside prison. I thought, good night. Her life must have really stunk in that prison. must not have been that bad. But, you know, even prison. Prisoners, they have all these rights, you know, and they got to take care of them. You know, they can't even make them do hardly any work or anything. Whatever happened to the chain gang? Do they have those in any places anymore? But I mean, oh, no, that's cruel. Yeah, that's what you think because of brainwashing. Let me tell you something. You're killing people. You're stealing. Things like that. You're lucky to still be alive. You should be put to death for those things. But no, no, that's too harsh. We don't believe in cruel and unusual punishment. Listen, Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. We've got to modernize that translation right there. You can't say beat. Because, you know, you know, you know, if you spank him, that, no, let, let, we can come up with something nicer than that. You know, if you correct him with rod, sounds too harsh too. Okay, we, we got well, we got we can come up with a better translation, can't we? No, if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now, why did it say that? Because if you ever, you know, nobody confessed you spank your kids. You don't want to get anybody get in trouble. You know, with the law, but they act like they're going to die, don't they? They scream like they are about to die, but they're not going to die. In fact, look what it says in verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. How does that work? Because you start teaching them at a young age that there's consequences for sin. They, they should learn at a young age there's consequences for sin. But you know what? Kids today are being taught no consequences for their sin. They misbehave, no consequences. They backtalk their parents. They dishonor their parents, no consequences. They go to school. They lie and cheat. Well, we can't give them detention. We can't spank the kids in school. We can't flunk the kids in school. No child left behind. No consequences for their sin. And then they grow up, and then they're thinking, you know, I, I want to, you know, I, I want money. I want to be able to, you know, have a living or whatever. And they get a job, and they find they find out, hey, you can get fired for not showing up for work. And the thing is. In our country today, somebody can be pathetic, lazy, and worthless. And you know what? Then the government's going to come and they're going to take care of all their needs. Why? No consequences. You know what a consequence is for being lazy, pathetic, and worthless? You get hungry. But we don't let anybody get hungry. And we wonder why we see the mess that we're seeing in our country today. No consequences for sin. You hear that? Thou beatest him with a rod. Oh, no, I don't beat my kids. No, we no. You don't do that kind of thing. You'll deliver them from hell. We wonder why everybody's going to hell because people don't believe there's consequences for sin. People think a loving God or a loving parent wouldn't punish, but a loving parent always punishes. Proverbs three eleven. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the Father, the Son, in whom he Delighteth. That's what a loving parent does. They punish their children. A loving government would punish the people when they do bad. Proverbs 13.24 He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteth him the times. Meaning early. You start spanking 
early. You teach them early that there are consequences for sin. And let me tell you, for generations and for centuries, people understood there was consequences for sin. And if a preacher got up and he talked about, hey, there is a consequence for rejecting Jesus Christ. There's an eternity in hell. They got it. They understood it. Yeah, I understand consequences for sin. My parents, man, they beat the tar out of me when I don't behave. When I, when I do wrong, people understood that. But even Christians today get nervous when you start talking about the death penalty. Oh, no, no, we don't believe in that. You know what Proverbs 19, verse 25 says? Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. You see that? Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. Did you know, I've said this before, the death penalty does nothing for the person that you put to death. But it does wonders for everybody else. Back when they would hang people in the town square, hey, you got to do it just. I'm not saying we just go out and lynch people, alright? No, but everybody else saw that. Parents would bring their, they could bring their kids and say, hey, you turn out to be low-life scum and a thief, this is how you're going to end. And they would watch that guy there, get the mask put over his head, rope around his neck, fall dead, and kids, they'd be traumatized. But you know what? They weren't going to steal nothing. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't going to be no horse thief. They weren't, you know, they weren't going to be a crook. They weren't going to kill anybody. I mean, it worked. And then, a preacher could get up and he could preach about, you know, the eternal punishment of hell, and people got it because they understood how it worked. But you know what? We've been brainwashed in our nation today. You know why? Because we live in a country where the Supreme Court, they mess up every decision they make. Our judges can't get anything right. Our Supreme Court said it was okay for gay marriage. We see things in our country like the FBI not going after Hillary Clinton. That's driving all of us crazy. We see that kind of thing. We see no consequence for wickedness. No consequences for crooked behavior. We all got to watch O.J. get found not guilty when everybody knew he was guilty. We've been brainwashed by Ward Cleaver who never spanked the beef one time for all the things he did. He never spanked them one time. Ever. And y'all watched that growing up. You watched Beaver disobey his parents. You watched him, you know, get caught. And then Ward, oh, you know, it's my fault. You know, it was always ended up being Ward's fault. No consequences for his action. If they ever did pronounce a punishment on him, they always took it back later. And listen, I, I grew up watching Leave It to Beaver. I'm brainwashed too. I watch that all the time. We all think it's sweet and wonderful. But let me tell you, it ruined our country. It ruined our thinking today. People don't believe in hell. They don't believe in punishment for sin because they watch Leave it to Beaver their whole life. You know, how many times did you see the Brady Bunch get spanked? You never saw it one time, did you? You didn't see it you know, in Full House and whatever, you know, whatever shows they're watching today. You don't see that. You don't see punishment for sin. If you do, the parents are always too harsh. If you do, the parents always end up going and apologizing. I'm sorry, I was so mean. I know you went and had that party when I told you not to. I know you destroyed the house. I know you did thousands of dollars in damage. But you know what? It was I, I shouldn't have gotten mad. I shouldn't have yelled at you. No, you shouldn't have yelled at him. You should have beat the fire out of him. You know, I'm sorry you went over, you know, 2,000 minutes on the phone and ran up our phone bill a thousand dollars. You know, it was my fault. I should have gotten you more minutes. And that's the thinking today. And people wonder why 
people don't, others do not believe in an eternal punishment because that is how we have been raised. That is how we think in our society today. And let me tell you something. God doesn't parent like Ward Cleaver or Danny Tanner or whatever shows are on today. I'm, he doesn't do it like that. God is a just God. There are consequences for sin. And proof of that is the very fact that God sent His own Son to pay for the consequences of our sin. But He only paid for the sins. or It only works for those who accept that gift of salvation. If you reject God's gift of salvation, you get to pay the consequences for your sin. And if it took Jesus Christ, who was perfect and without sin, the cross, it's going to take you an eternity in hell to pay for your sins. And you just need to understand that. We've got to get that message out there, folks. There is a hell. It's not extreme. You might feel that way. Okay? You might feel like eternal punishment is a little harsh. It's too much. You might feel that way. And you know what? Go ahead and feel that way. I understand. I get it. I watch the same things you guys watched. I live in the same country you do with the same unjust judges and the same unfairness that goes on. I get it, but I also understand that I'm wrong. And how I feel is wrong. And you know what? I'm going to accept what the Scripture says. And yes, there is consequences for sin. Deuteronomy chapter 27. Turn over there. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 14. And the Levite shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. And I'm not going to read through all this, but I love how he says, you know, we, we don't need preaching where the preacher gets up and yells at people and gets on people's sin. No, you know what they, they were supposed to do? The Levites would get up and they would do it, not with a quiet voice, with a loud voice, and they would read, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. And they and it goes and it just names off all these things. Hey, cursed if you don't if you do these things. Cursed if you don't do these things. You know, cursed is he that you know doesn't honor his father and his mother. Cursed his father and mother. There's a curse on you. And everybody said, Amen. So be it. Well, that's fine. We'll take it. We'll take the punishment. We will suffer. We will die. It says in the end, Cursed be he, in verse 26, that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. And we see that mentioned in Galatians chapter 3. In verse 10, the Bible quotes that very Scripture saying, you know, Cursed is he that doesn't keep every bit of the law. In other words, everyone who does not keep all of the law, you're cursed. You spend eternity in hell. That's where you go. And thank God Jesus Christ came and He became the curse for us because it says cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He became a curse for us. He died for our sins. But once again, if you don't accept that gift of salvation, then you're going to hell. You will spend eternity there. That is the consequence of sin. And no eternal punishment. It is not, it's, it's not extreme. People don't understand what a big deal it was for Jesus to die for our sins because we're so used to evil going unpunished in the world. But when it comes to our sins, okay, 
They were, they were paid for by the blood of Jesus. But you know what? Today, people, they become completely unfazed when you talk about the death of Christ. When you talk about punishment for sin, it doesn't even phase them. It doesn't register. Why? They've not been punished for their sin. They've gotten away with things over and over again. Everything they've ever watched, we see all the time. You know, people walking for their crimes. We see unjust judgments being handed down. We're used to no major consequences. It's like, especially too, people have money. They can get good lawyers and they can get out of anything. But guess what? You don't get to take your lawyers to heaven. Stand before God. It's going to be you and Christ there, and you're going to be judged justly. But we, do, but it is. It's you know there there was a time when you talked about the cross, people got it, they understood. Hey, Jesus was paying the consequences for my sins, and they understood consequences. They understood deserving punishment, and so they appreciated it that Jesus had done that. It made sense to them. But now it means nothing to people. Oh, Jesus paid for my sins? So? You know, they've never, they've never had punishment before. They've never suffered the consequences of their sin. And so, it means absolutely nothing. But God, it clearly, God clearly has not given the church the authority to execute physical punishment on anyone. Okay? That is something God gave to the government. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But God has clearly given the church the authority to remove people from the congregation for certain sins. And churches are afraid to even do that. Nowadays, if a church removes somebody because of certain sins in their life, I mean, it's, it's major. I mean, it's a, it's a church split. People go all to pieces. Why? Because that's foreign. The thought of punishment for sin. But look, First Corinthians chapter five, verse one says it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. There was somebody in their church who married his stepmother. You can't do that. It is very clear in the Old Testament law that anyone who your father had been with, you were not supposed to be with. Even though it wasn't his physical mother, it was his father's wife at one time. And this was a wicked sin. And Paul gets on him, what's going on? Why have you not removed him from the church? Why have you not delivered him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus? Why haven't you done this? Ah, we didn't think it was a big deal. Hey, sin's a big deal. Sin is a big deal. He says in there, you know, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This guy's going to ruin your whole church. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. But man, people today, they're scared to even do that. Even though it is crystal clear in the Bible that not only are we allowed to do that, that we are required to do that. God expects us to do that. People get squeamish. Why? We're not used to punishment for sin. It's completely foreign to most people. We've turned God into nothing more than a glorified Santa Claus that gives every child a present on Christmas. You know, I'm surprised. Pretty soon, they're going to be NIV and the Santa Claus is coming to town song, and it's not going to, they're going to throw out the naughty and nice thing. Because, you know, all kids are nice, you know. The ones that are naughty, they're just misunderstood. They're going through hard times. 
No, there's some kids that are rotten that shouldn't get nothing for Christmas. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, they used to have songs back in the old days like Nothing for Christmas. Y'all remember that song, I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas? Uh, that, I guarantee you can't sing that one in the schools today. That'll get you in a lot of trouble because, no, no, everybody should get a present on Christmas. You know, it's, and that's how it is with God. No, God's going to give everybody everything they want. Everybody deserves to go to heaven. Everybody deserves, it's, I'm telling you, it's a bunch of garbage. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Okay? He's not Santa Claus, folks. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That word terror, I like this. It, I looked, the Greek translation of that word is the word phobos, where we get phobia from. We all know what phobia is. We've all got our phobias. And it means to be put in fear, alarm, or fright. To be afraid, exceedingly fear. We should be scared of God. No, oh, no, God doesn't want us to be scared of us. No, but no, there is a good kind of fear. My kids, you know, none of my kids are shaking in their boots right now looking at me. You know, when I get home, my kids, they don't go run and hide uh, like our cat does when it sees me. You know, our, you know, our kids, my kids don't do that type of thing. But you know when they get scared of me? When they misbehave. When they're being bad. When they're doing wrong. Why? Because they know there's, I'm the one who many times delivers the consequences for their sins. And when they do wrong, and let me tell you something, we ought to be scared of God. But hey, if we're doing right, there's nothing to be afraid of. And we're supposed to use that fear of God to persuade people to clean up their act. I guarantee every one of your moms did that. Hey, I'm going to tell your dad. Lana, she, that's all I have to tell Lana whenever she does anything. My wife tells her, I'm going to tell your daddy. No, don't tell daddy. Don't tell daddy. You know, doesn't, doesn't want me to know. And let me tell you something. I have never beat that girl. But I mean, it, it takes the smallest... I mean, the smallest little thing in the world. And she, she does. She acts like she's dying. I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost kind of funny. I mean, what it takes. Just don't tell Daddy. Why? There's a fear. Most times, when I come home, she usually runs outside and she's all excited to see me. But when she's done something bad, it's don't tell Daddy. Don't tell Daddy. Why? It, it, it's a good fear. She understands there's consequences for doing wrong. People used to get that. They understood that. People feared God. They didn't see Him as this Santa Claus that just gives people everything they want. They understood that He was a just God and He is our Father and He will punish our sins. They believed that verse in the Bible where it said, For whom the Lord loveth, He correcteth. Even as the Father, the Son, in whom He delighteth. They knew that verse. So, no, God's not being extreme. Let's just admit we're brainwashed and just believe the Bible. Okay, Eternal punishment is... It's not too much. It's what we deserve. And if we understood that we deserve that, we'd thank God for our salvation more and more every day. Maybe we wouldn't want to take advantage of the grace of God like people are doing today. Even Christian people, ah, sin's no big deal. It is a huge deal. Jesus had to die on the cross for your sins. There is a consequence that He paid for your sins. Don't you take advantage of the grace of God. Don't you go out there sinning that grace may abound. God forbid that you would do something like that. 
that you would have such a wicked attitude. God forbid, but today people think nothing of it. So then the last question, real quickly, I'll answer this one. Wouldn't we have been better off just never having existed? Think about that. Wouldn't we have been better off? None of us asked to be born. Okay? But the truth is, yeah, you're better off never having been born than going to hell. I'll admit that. You know, it says in Mark 14.20, and He answered and said to them, it is one of the twelve that dippeth with Me in the dish. Talking about Judas. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Yeah, fine. I'll give you that one. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not God's fault that you were born, just like it's not God's fault that there's sin in the world. God gave man a free will. Despite what some people try to teach, God gave man a free will. Proof of that, He put man in the garden. He put two trees there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. He told him, don't take of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why would He do that? He's given him a choice. He gave him a free will. Man sinned. And when God made everything, it was very, it was very good, but man messed everything up. Okay, and if you are mad that you're here, well, you can either get mad at your parents or you could accept the gift of salvation. And you know what? I said, you didn't ask to be born, but guess what? You were born. Guess what? You're here. And I wouldn't waste my time getting mad at God or getting mad at my parents. I would say, you know what? Okay, I'm here. Give me that free gift of salvation. Well, I'm glad I don't have to do anything to earn it because I can't. I'm glad I don't have to be good enough to deserve it because I can't be good enough to deserve it. But you know what I can do? I can accept that free gift of salvation. And whether you like it or not, if you don't, you'll spend eternity in hell. It doesn't go away. Your soul is eternal. Accept that gift of salvation. And then thank Him that even though man rejected Him, even though we deserve hell, whether you agree with it or not, thank Him that you don't have to go accept that gift of salvation. He'll give it to you if you ask. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So those are some answers, I believe, to questions that come up about hell. And I hope we will remember these things. It is a real place. Let's do something to warn people about it. Let's not shy away from it. Let's not go with the modern teaching that it's not that it's temporary or it's all figurative. It is a real, literal place that will never end. And so I think we need to get fired up and warn some people, pull them out of the fire so we can see more people saved. So with that, let's all stand together.